So whether you are here in person, whether you are online joining us, or wherever you find yourself this morning, we're glad you're with us. Um, when Seth and the team invited me to host this morning, uh, I reminded them of just how busy I am on a Sunday morning and how difficult this would be for me. And I just drew a hard line and said, no, I, I won't be able to host. Um, too many important things to do. And so uh, I'm Steve. I work with the operations team and I'm your host this morning. Um, I do have the privilege, you guys, this morning of saying thank you, giving you a couple quick financial updates. Um, but I just, I, I want you to know how much we as a staff, we as a church, we in leadership across the board appreciate your partnership and the generous lives that you guys live. I, I think... I think it's very difficult right now in the current culture um, to find a lot of extra energy to do much. But you guys continued your lives of generosity with us, uh, partnering with us in 2020, and I want you guys to know that we received about $2.9 million from you guys. And uh, I'm going to throw a couple more numbers. I, I don't care whether you remember them or not. That's not the point. But we, we started the year back in January uh, with a budget of 3.8 million. I think it was 3.844. And as COVID joined us in March and uh, everything changed, we just kind of kept massaging our expenses down to right around $3 million. So... $3 million, you guys gave 2.9, and then we were lucky enough to be part of the uh, payroll protection program. And that gave us a chunk of money that really helped, as you guys can imagine. <clears throat> the point of all that is we finished very strongly on the positive side, in the black. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And so, here's what I want you guys to hear this morning from me. Thank you, and we are positioned really well for 2021 to take kingdom ground, to join Jesus and the Holy Spirit and where it's moving, where it's going. We've been doing that now uh, since 1985, 1986, and uh, we're going to continue to do that with you guys. H historically, Heartland has always been a generous place. And I, again, get to tell you that from the very beginning, my wife and I, Molly, have had the privilege to be part of Heartland in some capacity for the, the history of the church. And this is a common, th common theme. So I'm not surprised where we wound up, but man, am I grateful. And so I say that on behalf of all of Heartland's leadership. So thank you, thank you. It's a team sport. And so, thank you, team. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to continue to be about the mission that God's given us. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, before Craig Cheney comes up and continues the interior design series around a life of generosity, 
we're gonna show a quick video uh, in the spirit of fun. So thank you guys. You're watching HCC TV, where home is where the heartland is. been gearing up for a move and has finally settled on a budget. Let's see if she finds a new place to hang her hat. Hi, I'm Gina. Um, I'm a professional jigsaw puzzle assembler, uh, but my real passion is my collections. Um, I collect uh, ping pong balls, autographed ping pong balls, um, yo-yos, um, these popsicle sticks, vintage popsicle sticks, and um, flashlights from all over the world. Um, my budget is $300,000, and I'm, I'm really just looking for a place with a lot more closet space, because, I mean, I could get rid of some things, but, I mean, I might need them. Well, it's good to meet Jen, isn't it? Uh, professional hoarder. Um, I don't know if that touches where you live, but for many of us, we find ourselves holding on to those things that come our way because they represent some measure of security or maybe even identity. For any number of reasons, we get caught up in the life we're living. We're in this series, Interior Design, and today our focus is on what does it mean to live a generous life? So I want to begin with a question. Who is it that you know that you would consider to be the most generous person you know? Who is the most generous person you know? And how is it that person demonstrates their generosity? For me, as that question rose during my time of study, uh, my dad's face, my dad's story, my dad's life rose for me. My, my father was the most generous person I knew. And for my earlier years, I didn't know that's what it was. I was just experiencing him expressing his generosity. And he did so in many, many ways. He noticed and, and thought about others. He did so for us as a family, but he did so with others. He was intentional about his actions of kindness and caring. It flowed from him. It wasn't as though he felt obligated to be generous. It's just that he was. It was who he was. My father was a very funny person and uh, would always bring a sense of humor to difficult situations and invite whoever was in that situation into a better place, into a different place, to see potentially the humorous side of what was going on. I recognized in my father that he, he received from God and he gave credit to what he had as being sourced in God's generosity toward him. It wasn't just about things, and it certainly wasn't just about money. It was about an attitude. It was about words. It was about a way of relating and, and being present with people that manifest his generous life. Here's what I'd hope would resonate with each of you today. Generosity and living generously is available to every one of us. 
This isn't governed by how much you or I have. It's governed by what's going on in my heart and in your heart about what I do have, about my whole life of what I have to make that available to others. My father was generous in regard to time and engagement. He was generous with his things. When I was in fifth grade, he decided to begin a manufacturing business. And it was a specialized manufacturing business producing taillight assemblies and headlight assemblies and other gear for military vehicles. And then he developed wire harnesses that powered the electrical systems of those vehicles. And so a challenging and exciting competitive environment to enter into. But he felt led into that and he was excited about it for all of the risks and all of the challenges that represented. I remember about three years in, I was in eighth grade, and in eighth grade, he and I jumped in one of the company vans, and we went and picked up 300 frozen turkeys. And he was purchasing them to distribute them to his factory workers. Workers he knew by name. Workers he knew the story of their life. Workers I could tell, I didn't have these words at the time, but I could tell he, he did love them. He, he cared about them. He was willing to share with them. He gave thanks for them. That's what my father was about. He lived a life from the inside out. And by the way, he was no angel in that regard. He's normal just like you and me. He had to make the same choices you and I have to make regularly. This kind of choice. Will I live my life selfishly? Or will I live my life generously? My father came from very poor beginnings up in the foothills uh, of the Allegheny Mountains in New York. And yet, all that gave him was a much bigger perspective about the needs of others and how it was he would give his life for their good. Jesus taught this as well. As much as we think God may expect us to live a certain way so that we make him happy with us, he's never expected that of us. In fact, when it comes to living a life of generosity, it has nothing to do with what God wants from us. It's what God wants for us. Because living a life of generosity puts us really close to the very character and heart and conduct of God himself. And what he tells us is when we live that way, it fills our life up. This is an inside-out reality. So in this interior design series, we're just asking God, God, would you show us how to live the life you live, this generous life? Some of the characteristics that marks my father's life, I think it marks God's life, it can mark our life, are the marks of loving. Loving is a, a measure of generosity. Caring is a mark and a measure of generosity. Sharing what I have and then giving thanks. Those are four qualities that mark a generous life. As I considered my dad's life in that regard, I began to ask myself, well, how is it he led this life? And I'd like to suggest there were at least four perspectives that stood out for my father, and they're perspectives that I think give us the opportunity to embrace what God has given us. God is the multiplier of what he's given us as we offer it to others generously. Here are the perspectives I think my dad lived by. One, it's all God's. He looked at what he had as have, having been given to him by God. God is the creator. He's the provider. He's the one that helps things grow and multiply. It's all God. Secondly, all I have I've received from God, which doesn't mean we haven't earned anything, 
but my father recognized even his ability to earn was a gift from God. God gave him the energy and the capacity, the focus and the drive, the abilities to, to, to earn. Even that was received from God. Thirdly, I have what I have for my good and for the benefit of others. He recognized that God had given him what he'd been given for his good, but more than that, for the benefit of others. So there was this connection between God giving and my father giving that was for his good and for the benefit of others. And last, his perspective was it's better to give than to receive, a declaration the scriptures themselves make. These, perspective, these perspectives resulted in this generous life of my dad, a life of loving, caring, sharing, and giving thanks. Jesus had some things to say about generosity, and he pictured it as a life is a light. And when a life is lived a certain way, it's like putting that light up on a hill. Here's how it's expressed in the message version, Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 14. You are here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop and on a light stand, shine. Here's how he describes our shining. He says, keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, your generous Father in heaven. And this is what my father's life was doing as he lived generously with others. It opened them up to God. They received from God through my father, if you will, but they wondered about God, and it would lead to a different kind of conversation and interaction about God. I witnessed this happening among some of his employees out in the context of his manufacturing business. He had hired some of those employees from very difficult and challenging backgrounds. And they knew he cared about them. They communicated that in their attitude toward him, in their words with him. And he himself would engage in these conversations about their lives, what was important to them. And it opened them up to conversations about God. That's what loving, caring, sharing, and giving thanks does for us. This is about a whole life of generosity, not just specific acts of generosity. It certainly isn't about giving more money. It's about a, a whole person availability to God to do as he chooses. In addition to those perspectives I think my father had, here were some practices he had that I stood out to me. They, they prompt me to do the same, and I want to offer these practices to you. One of the first practices of a generous life is to take inventory how, how do I take time to see what I have? What has God given me? Maybe he's given you the power of words, that when you speak, it helps others find life and encouragement. How are you generous with your words? Maybe it's your presence or your attitude. When you come into a space and you're able to be present, and by being present, you're intentional in that you're offering people yourself 
take inventory of what God's put in your hands so that it can be put to use for the benefit of others. The second item is engage with intentionality. In other words, plan to be generous. Engage intentionally in your loving and your caring. Another is evaluate your life by the seed you sow, not by the harvest you reap. In other words, evaluate based on what you're putting out, what you're sharing, not what you're gathering. So we may think we're doing an act of generosity, but if it's for our good, it's like to point back to us, uh, it probably isn't an act of generosity. How is it I evaluate my life by the seeds I sow, that which I give away, that which I generously offer, rather than the harvest I reap? And last, be planned and spontaneous both. There are those moments where there's just a need. How do I step into that? Other times you've planned, you've prepared, you've asked God, how would you have me live out this generous life? With those perspectives and those practices, hopefully they begin to provide some substance to what it might look like to grow a more generous life, wherever your starting point is. It's a whole life expression, not just money. One of the Heartlanders that lives out a, a generous life is Bill McMurtry, and I've invited Bill to come and share some of his story this morning because it's an invitation to appreciate God has as many different people as there are different ways to express generosity. And Bill has been doing that, so Bill, welcome. Join me in welcoming Bill this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. What an honor it is to be here. Bill, you were prompted at a very early age I about was. the generosity of God. Tell us about that. I was. Yeah. I remember on Wednesday night church class, the lady was speaking, and I was a little kid, little, little kid, and the lady was speaking and says, Jesus fed 5,000 people. What do you guys think about that? You know, and I raised my hand real polite, and, and I said, well, Jesus was a busy guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, isn't it? It was a lot yeah. of people. As you took that prompting in your heart uh, into your 20s, uh, God gave you some opportunities to express further generosity. Describe what was going on there. It did. It started, and, and I'm very humbled to get to share this with you today. I, I really am. Because it started 30 years ago, this coming April, so in two, three months, that I began this. What I did was I cultivated a relationship with the Hostess Bread Factory at 17th and Truce. That's not how it started, but it grew to that. I did so because I knew there was a church in my neighborhood and they had a food pantry, just like we do here at Heartland, for the food deprived. So they did outreach and they gave to the community. You have to have donations, you need things. So what I was doing was I was getting food from the Hostess Bread Factory and I was taking it to this church. That church told me about other organizations that I began to help. And remember, I'm only 25 years old at that time. I'm not with any organization, I'm by myself. And I'm going around and it grew from giving to one church to 13 different organizations, the Hope House, both Salvation Armies, buildings, uh, the Restart Program, the City Union Mission, places like that. It eventually grew so large that I was encouraged to turn it over to Harvesters, which I gave it to Harvesters and they took it from there. Yeah, amazing. Uh, as God took that initiative into bread and food distribution, that had continued throughout your life. I'm gonna jump ahead a bit and here this last year, COVID, kind of put the pinch on all of us. Uh, 
But in the midst of COVID, <laughs> you felt prompted of God to provide opportunities for people to connect, to enjoy some of the things you enjoy, food, art. <laughs> Describe what that was. You know, 2020 was incredibly difficult for everybody. Everybody became disconnected. I just, I'm going to make lemonade out of lemons. It's just, that's what I like to do. So alongside with my girlfriend, Jenny, we created this thing where we began inviting Heartland families. Think four or five of you come at a time or maybe a small group study group. You come over to my house. I have a big bonfire going out back. We have dinner and then we paint on canvases. Just like when you go to those places to paint, we just paint and it's an open invitation to anybody anybody that wants to come. Today, I've had over 300 Heartlanders come over in small groups to do this. Amazing, and with that, uh, you gave a special invitation to folks to gather you uh, to a marker in your backyard. Uh, describe yes, what that's about. I did. This cross that's up here, I, it's a pretty special cross. I fell off some scaffolding many years ago. I about died. I fell. I, busted back in my head, broke all my ribs, all that good stuff. I knew where the scaffolding was this year, and you know, this is 20 years later. I went and got it, and I built this cross in my backyard. And what occurred from that is Heartland families were coming over, and they began painting all these little crosses that you see attached to the cross. And what you don't see is the back of it. It's covered in crosses head to toe for 10 feet of it. And it's just, I don't partake in it. I step back and let the families have a moment, and it's become a cool thing for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a season in which I think for many of us, we've been pushed back from relationship and some have been pushed back from God. And part of what I experienced with Bill is this invitation to come near in relationship yeah. and to come near to God. It's been really significant. God's put something else on your heart, kind of a spike point uh, coming up soon, but talk yes. a little bit about that and invite us into it, man. You know, I, I kind of did a secret Santa project last year and I kind of got found out about it. Every Thursday I was making food. Uh, just think a small casserole, if you will. And I take it to a different family every Thursday just to say, hey man, thinking about you. Hope you guys are doing okay. So that people don't feel forgotten. Let them know somebody still thinks, somebody still cares. Well, I thought after I got found out, it was, I don't have to do this alone. I can invite others in with me to do this. So I got with what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get on the national calendar. It's going to be the third Thursday in every February. This year it's going to be Thursday, February the 18th, where it's going to be Take Food to a Friend Day. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is prayerfully consider someone in your own life that you know that's having a hard time, needs a pick-me-up, just needs to know that you're still there for them. Take them a meal that week. Just take them a meal and let them know that you still care. Yeah. And this is something we can all do. It is. Yeah. Encouraging us to do that. Bill, thank you for the generous life you're living. Thanks, Craig. Uh, we say thanks to you. But you give us the courage to ask God, what have you done in me? What is it you've put in my hands that I could offer others for their benefit? So thanks, dude. Thanks, brother. Let's tell Bill thanks. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. I want to look again at that Matthew 5, 16 verse, because here's part of what I think Bill's story represents. 
Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now, maybe your thing isn't food. I know all of you eat, but maybe your thing isn't food. Maybe your thing isn't art. What is your thing? And if you were to use it, if you were to make it available to be beneficial to others, what impact might it have? Ultimately, Jesus is the one we look to as our primary example and motivator for generous living. Jesus, as he came and offered himself to us, he did so all throughout the story of time and history. David, a shepherd boy and a king, said this about the good, generous shepherd, Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is how David was experiencing the generosity of God to him. This imagery of the chef of heaven, knowing what you and I need and preparing a meal, the provision that we need right before us and sitting us down in the midst of the swirl of difficulty and threat and scarcity that surrounds us. That's this generous shepherd that Psalm 23 is speaking of. Jesus has done this on behalf of every person. You and I can't touch every person. We can touch those God puts us in a sphere of influence with. And we do so because Jesus has touched us with his generous life. He's done it freely. He's done it fully. Even as Paul captures this idea in Philippians chapter 2, here's how he describes how freely and fully Jesus has lived out his generous life. He challenges us, he says, do nothing out of selfless ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus' generosity was sourced in his love for us, his care for us, his willingness to share all that he was and has with us, and to do so with thanksgiving. That was Jesus' posture. Jesus was loving. Others were more important than he was. He was caring, acting in the best interest of others, even at sacrifice to himself, sharing, using what he had for the benefit of others, and giving thanks, as he frequently did, expressing thanks to the Father for what he provided. We can give thanks that the Father has enabled us to actually provide for others, to give and live generously. 
John 3.16 is a familiar scripture to us, but it one, it's one that reminds us of the focus of Jesus and his coming. It says this, for God so loved the world, and hear the world as you and me. For God so loved me and you that he gave, he gave himself, he gave what he had, he gave all that he had. For God so loved, he gave. Jesus' life was marked by loving, caring, sharing, and giving thanks. Your life and my life can be marked by the same thing. And when our life is marked that way, there's some phenomenal results. Back in the early ministry of Jesus, he was communicating to a large crowd on the hillside, and he challenged them. He said, hey, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. They don't lose their value. They, they don't go away. And we lay up treasures in heaven in this way. These kinds of behaviors of loving, caring, sharing, and giving thanks are laying up treasures in heaven. Here are the phenomenal results God has told us happen with generous living. One, we gain a greater experience of who God is and his generous heart. We get that as we live this. We grow a bigger heart. We become generous in all things. I mentioned we store up treasures in heaven by God's declaration. Generous living is great for this life. It's phenomenal for the life to come. And last, we get to live out our God-created identity. Here's how it's expressed in Matthew 5, 48. In a word, what I'm saying to you is grow up. And he's referring to growing up into our relationship with God. You are kingdom subjects. You are a part of the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives you. This invitation from God isn't to somehow earn or curry favor with God or others. It's an invitation to experience from him all that he wants to give you, all that he has for you, in a way that really meets you where you are, so that it's good for you. And as it's good for you, it can be made beneficial to others. That's a generous life, loving, caring, sharing, and giving thanks. Let's ask God to grow that in us here in this 2021 year. We know what it felt like in 2020 when everything constricted, everything got tight, everything got distant. God's invited us to trust him in this year to receive from him all that he has for us. He will pour out his generosity upon us. And as we experience the good of that, we benefit others with it. That's our opportunity in 2021. It'll look a lot of different ways. Our words, our attitudes, our presence, and our stuff. God can put it all in play 
for exceptional results now, phenomenal results in the life to come. I'm going to close in prayer, and as I do, I just want to invite you, if there's a matter you would like to pray about today, there'll be people right here who would love to pray with you, to pray into this work of God that enables us to be generous. You can stop by the hub. It's out in the corner of the atrium as you leave. Uh, You can chase down Bill McMurtry if you want to sign up for a meal. Uh, You can take advantage of the time you have here to engage with one another and to continue to engage with God. And we'll give you that opportunity as we close. Join me in prayer as we finish up. Jesus, today we acknowledge that without your generous intervention in our life, we'd still be giving all of our energy and effort to figure it out on our own and to make it work for ourselves on our own. And for most of us, we've spent enough of our life trying to do that. We've been outside the experience of your generosity toward us. You have been generously offering yourself, and maybe it's today, the decision to let you and your generosity be in control of me more than some of the other things that might be in charge right now. You have demonstrated what it means and looks like, what the effect of living a generous life is, and you've invited us to do that. We've been made in your image. Awaken in us a heart, a practice, the impact of living generously. We will trust you to do this, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Heartland, great to be with you. I hope this is a wonderful, generous week for you. Have a great one.